0: Welcome to the Caring for EOE podcast, where we'll navigate eosinophilic esophagitis together. From diagnosis to daily living, feelings to finances, and restrictions to recipes, let's create a community that cares for EOE. Thank you for joining this episode of the Caring for EOE podcast. I am thrilled to be here with Dr. Chen Yuan, who is Tyler's doctor. Dr. Yuan is a pediatric gastroenterologist specializing in eosinophilic esophagitis. Originally from Beijing, China, Dr. Yuan is the clinical director for the Food Allergy Center at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. He treats children of all ages with EOE and actively engages in research about the disease. Dr. Yuan, thank you so much for being with me today.
1: Thank you, Suzanne. It's a pleasure to be here with you.
0: Excellent. Well, I uh, not only are you um, caring for Tyler, but you also care so much for our entire family. And it's been um, truly uh, a blessing for us to be working with you and the team of doctors at Mass General. So we that, could...
1: That's comforting to hear. And that's what we do. Um, we are focused uh, to treat children with all kinds of GI disease at uh, uh, our food allergy center. I'm being a gastroenterologist particularly interested in treating um, children with gastrointestinal food allergies, which EOE is one of the, our major um, research pockets.
0: Um, Absolutely. And what's been a, I call it a game changer for me, is before I came to Mass General, I was going to multiple different doctors at different centers and needing to be the go-between. And when I found you and your team of doctors, it's been incredibly helpful to have you talk as a team about Tyler. So could you tell us a little bit more about the interdisciplinary approach that you take?
1: It's great, when, and uh, treating um, disease, particularly like a chronic disease, like uh, your symphonic this can be uh, overwhelming from the diagnosis, and uh, there's uh, often involved in many different aspects uh, for the uh, food sensitization, uh, for food uh, swallowing, eating, nutrition, and the psychological uh, aspect of uh, a social positive association between the child with diet, and uh, most importantly, the oral motor development, particularly in young child, like your baby Tyler. Mm. So in our um, food allergy center, we uh, comprised uh, a group of doctors, including the pediatric allergist, uh, pediatric gastroenterologist like myself, and I have a child psychologist, a uh, nutrition specialist, and a feeding specialist. So we offer um, individualized, in depth help with each family and each child to meet their need.
0: And we've been on the receiving end of that. And it's been incredible to see you all talk about my child and put him at the center. Um, It's also been really refreshing that every time I meet with you, I feel like we're your only patient. And yet you have an incredible number of patients. So the way in which you approach the family has just been a blessing. So thank you.
1: Thank you. So uh, that's our priority. Each child is different. Each family is different. They have their own Uh, emotional need, physical need, and medical need. Mm -hmm. So the the good medicine we provided, not only evidence-based, based based on what the current literature, what we know in the studies to treating patients. More importantly, we want to offer them in depth for their uh, individualized need for their particular family.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Thank you. So we haven't even defined EOE yet, so maybe we'll uh, talk about that now. Can you help us understand eosinophilic esophagitis?
1: Of course. Um, eosinophilic esophagitis is short for EOE. Uh, We're probably going to use that short term Great. Um, <laughs> because for people can understand it easily. Uh, this is a chronic inflammatory disease of the esophagus. Uh, what do I mean by that is the esophagus uh, is one of the... Uh, first part of the GI tract, which right after the mouth. It's not just a, a conduit between the mouth to the stomach. It's actually the active um, organ um, have a lot of uh, immune reactions happening in that part. Uh, normally, there should be zero eosinophils. Eosinophils is one of the white blood cells normally circulating in the bloodstream. And one is the inflamed Inflammation occurs, so they come into the different part part of our body. For example, if you have asthma, those cells go into uh, the lung. If you have um, some skin irritation like eczema, they go into the skin. If you have EOE, they go into the esophagus. Oh. So this um, inflammation, it's triggered primarily is by food. Uh, food trigger, although... Uh, inflammatory inflammation such as um, pollen allergy, environmental allergy can also cause uh, the occurrence of those cells in the GI tract, particularly in the esophagus. But primarily, the EOE is triggered by food allergy. Now, when I say food allergy, people often immediately think about um, those like peanut allergy mm. or anaphylaxis. This right. is not anaphylactic. And the allergies are testing, um, it doesn't usually help us to identify which the trigger.
0: Yeah, and that's what's been a struggle for us, is it seems like a really mysterious disease. So for all that we do know about EOE, there's a lot that we don't know. How do we think about that as we look to treat Tyler for his symptoms and, and help him um, navigate this diagnosis?
1: Right, you're correct. So the there's a lot of, even though for the past uh, 20 years, we have gained a lot of ground in terms of um, diagnosis, uh, research for the mechanism for the disease occurrence, as well as the treatment. But uh, there's uh, a lot more we don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, Each person is different, different stage is different. So we have to really focus on uh, the different uh, patients at different age based on their need to tailor one of the uh, individualized diagnostic uh, uh, more like a treatment regimen. The younger child, uh, often um, they have a lot of other need in terms of nutritional intake, in terms of oral motor development. Those should not be um, ignored when you focus on the EOE treatment.
0: And that's something we're contending with. I mean, right. Tyler's only 19 months, and he is starting to be a picky toddler on top of everything. And I do worry about uh, if we only treat EOE, that we could be causing unintended consequences by not considering other things like you mentioned, his nutrition, um, his getting used to different textures, and, and inviting new foods. Um, so I do think about all of the implications but also, what we need to do for EOE. It's a, it's a lot to contend with, and I'm not always sure how to make sense of it.
1: Right, absolutely. So, we want to focus on the following A, we want to make sure the EOE is managed well. That means the inflammation is go away, so it doesn't have any long term complications. Mm. Uh, that's in particular, uh, the long term complication could cause narrowing of the esophagus, difficult swallowing. Uh, so we want to prevent that happening. Uh, and secondly, we want to um, a child like Tyler at his one and a half years of age to develop a positive association with food. Right. Uh, so he's interested in food. He had a good experience about food. Yeah. So this is very important for the future for his entire life. He needed to enjoy. Uh, sec- uh, la- uh, third one is he needed to have a balanced nutrition, right. balanced diet for his growing. So all those things needed to be uh, considered. Uh, for a child, For a, it's a lot to take. Mm-hmm. But for the family, for parents, it's also a daunting task. And that means we changed our lifestyle, we changed our eating style, cooking style, mm-hmm. uh, food choices. And this is all uh, should not be overlooked. And then in addition to, I don't want to family feel you're left alone with the diagnosis is that where do I need to go get food? What kind of food can I get for my son or daughter? In this case, your little baby. Uh, We have a good supporting system um, at all levels uh, to readily provide those need for each family.
0: Yes. It's been incredible to have that support. Immediately following an appointment with you, we go and see the nutritionist and talk through what brands and what foods. Um, and so that is something that I don't take lightly for granted. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what I'm also hearing in this is we might figure out what to do for Tyler right now, but as he grows and changes, what we need to do will also change. And that's that's interesting for me to think about. I was kind of imagining that once we figured it out, we'd be good, but it sounds like it could also be a moving target.
1: It could be. That's a great question. We don't know um, whether people even if you find the trigger right now, could it develop other trigger? Wow. Uh, one thing we have found from our experience is, EOE, the trigger need to be repetitively taken the food. Okay, Okay. say if dairy is a trigger, but I only eat dairy once every few months, that's probably not going to cause significant inflammation of EOE. Okay. Often when we remove the one diet group, um, and then the child needed to find other alternative, they eat a lot of other food they normally wouldn't eat. (laughs) And then that food could be a potential trigger. once I treated treated this boy, um, we found... Uh, potato is a trigger. So I told them you should not eat potato. And then they said what we're gonna eat? What other green can I eat? So they replaced it with rice. This Irish family doesn't usually eat rice. Now this time they eat a ton of rice every meal or every day rather. And then rice become a trigger for EOE. Oh, wow. Whether it become a trigger or it was a trigger, we don't know, but definitely is a trigger sure. with EOE, so people need to be mindful mm-hmm. about uh, um, food elimination and uh, food um, introduction.
0: Sure, and almost overexposure too. It sounds correct, like. correct. And that I hear in that being really vigilant and and staying. Um, on top of some of the symptoms, and having the child really become aware of his body—and I say his because of Tyler—and mm-hmm. uh, that not all children are are tuned into their bodies. So, is this something that they are taught to do, or that they need to learn to do?
1: Uh, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, all babies have different temperament, yeah. personality. So there's no cannot be treated like a cookie cutter. Right. So a one approach feed all. This never work. Uh, we have to readily, being a caregiver, being the, a doctor, we have to be readily available to amend our um, treatment plan to suit the need for this particular child. Um, and at a given time, things can be quite uh, challenging in terms of uh, the refusal to eating food or nutritional not uh, uh, really good, not gaining weight well. All those things we have to be ready to change what we're doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the current statistics and is EOE on the rise? Uh,
1: the um, In 1995, it first recognized food is a trigger for EOE. Uh, there were reports, scattered reports before 1995, but it uh, wasn't recognized as a diet. Since then, there's a uh, explosion of uh, research and uh, both recognition of the disease, as well as true increase of incidence, has been reported. Uh, so right now, it's about one in ten thousand, uh, in the, from some of the center studies in the United States.
0: Wow. Okay. And so that do we see that number changing? Is it? I, I know obviously since it's a relatively new diagnosis in terms of the um, time of time span that we've known about it, is is it increasing?
1: It, there uh those population based study hadn't had more more recent this all in the in the past several years mm. study. Is uh but uh, definitely from the now the data from United States, from Europe, uh from Australia and then the the incident is rising.
0: Oh boy. Okay. So as we think about EOE and Getting a diagnosis. What are some of the advice that you can offer to patients and families when they first find out that they're either they or their children have might have EOE?
1: Right. Um when you first diagnose it's an overwhelming sense of guilt from the parents mm-hmm. to see what we've done differently, what we feed mommy to often say, What did I eat during pregnancy made my son uh, or daughter had a disease. Uh, it's this is all um very legitimate question, but there's no data to suggest right now. Um, those, um, those things really play a major role. We do know, however, EOE belongs to the big group of um, intestinal food allergies. Okay, from our published data suggesting uh, one of the conditions called um, allergic protocolitis which referring a condition in baby, young baby between two weeks to two months, they start to have blood in the stool, either microscopic oh. or um, visible blood. Uh, this is a risk factor for EOE in five years old. It's from our study, we published that. Wow. Uh, suggesting there's a, this is probably a common link between all the intestinal food allergies uh, when they were young and then later on develop EOE. So um...
0: so I really appreciate your acknowledging the, the initial reaction that parents have. And from a personal standpoint, I went through that. Um, first, Tyler was diagnosed with food allergies at seven months and then his EOE just over a year. And at that point, everything that that child ate either came through me when I was pregnant or nursing him or was given to him by me. And I... I searched backwards for anything I could have done that, that I shouldn't have done or something I should have done that I didn't do. And it took, maybe it still is taking me some time to reconcile the fact that I, I couldn't have prevented this and I didn't cause it.
1: Right. Currently thinking is probably it's called epigenetic ph- phenomenon, mm. means uh, a certain element in a gene, uh, not the, the gene coding. is right. actually the how the gene expresses. Uh, Influenced by the environment, how we uh, um, exposed um, during pregnancy in utero and as well as uh, after birth our diet. Uh, There's uh, probably some elements for each of the elements needed to the final outcome for the Mm. EOE. It's uh, it's the complex, the, the many different moving Parts and we begin to understand a little by little from all the different aspects.
0: Yes, and the more research we do, I'm sure the more we'll learn. Uh, and with that said, where are we now in terms of some of the latest treatment options and recommendations?
1: Right. Before I dive in that, so then I think to talk about what's a common commonly used treatment mm. for EoE. Um, we know the EoE is triggered by diet, by food protein. So therefore, the simplest thinking is if you find that trigger food, you remove that, everything will be fine. Which that's true for a lot of patients. Uh, But that journey to find that trigger food often very challenging. Mm -hmm. Because so far there's no um, accurate test, non-invasive test to tell us which food is the trigger. At the, for, at the beginning of diagnosis. Oh, wow. So that uh, the allergies commonly do allergy testing, that's what IgE f- immediate food allergy, that uh, study has shown not really predict what happened for EOE. Uh, diet uh, approach remained to be a number one um, uh, treatment options in our center. We support our families. We want to identify the food, what's the trigger for the food and therefore we can lead to this child to um, drug-free remission just by eliminating diet. Um, Those often um, include two parts. First, you eliminate food Mm. and then you introduce food. Now the question is what food you you eliminate first. Mm. From our study and also published uh, data, dairy is the number one corporate that accounts for uh, 50%, one in two people. Wow. uh, That means if you just do a single dairy elimination, 50% chance you could identify that trigger for that child. So that gives us a lot of uh, hope um, without doing the massive food elimination. Often it's not that simple. Um, So there's different variations of Four food, six food, even twelve food elimination. Oh, wow! Those all based on largely on empiric data, not necessarily anything you can predict. Those are the top uh, allergens like dairy, soy, wheat, egg, peanuts, tree nuts, fish, shellfish, beef, and corn. Ugh. So you can see those are the food we commonly eat. which right. our main staple food. Yes. If you remove those food, what the child can eat? So you really, that become a very, very challenging.
0: Right. And we recognize that it's not a life-threatening disease, but when you think about all of those foods to eliminate, that's a lifestyle.
1: That's a significant lifestyle change, means the uh, family where to buy grocery, Mm -hmm. they have to read the labels, um, and the the cost um, for those food is all add up to, Uh, I must say it creates a lot of stress for the entire family.
0: Yes, we are are living that right now. My grocery bill has gone Mm -hmm. up twofold and just having to plan out every single meal and knowing that we'll have the food that he needs wherever we go and not shortchanging the social aspect of our lives just because it can be a little more complicated to make sure that the food that he needs is there. Uh, and he's not even aware yet. Sure. So I can I, I see our journey uh, ahead of us, including conversations with him and with his sister, who's trying to understand what he's going with. And mm-hmm. and I, that leads me to want to talk with you about um, two books that you and Dr. Nancy Rotter co-wrote um, to help children understand what this diagnosis.
1: Oh, thank you for mentioning that. The two books, one is uh, um, for younger Uh, first book is for the younger uh, families, mainly is uh, for parents to read to their child. The second book about Danny, that's more for older children they can read for themselves. What our focus is, we want to increase awareness for the family, we want to particularly draw attention for the family. This is not a medical disease only, this also can impact psychologically in in a profound way. In, particularly in younger ch- children, how they associate the food, uh, how they interact with others, how their social life has be, been um, influenced by or affected by this diagnosis. We want them to be safe. We want to have a beautiful life, high quality of life so they can enjoy their childhood just like the other children. We don't want to them to feel ashamed, to be bullied, or to be necessarily treated as other food allergy been separated from uh, the EOE table mm-hmm. or this table, I think that stigma needs to be changed. People need to aware of this not IgE mediated, it's not life threatening. Uh, those treated, as long as the child doesn't eat the food, they can be seed, can be play, can do all the things other child is doing.
0: Absolutely. And that really struck me, especially in the introduction to your both of your books, where you talk about the whole child, and not just the medical diagnosis, but for parents to really understand the emotional and the mental elements of this too. Um, so I wanted to be really clear on what the books were in case people are interested. So one of them is called Eating Isn't Always Easy. And the second is called Macaroni Isn't the Same Without Cheese. Correct. Um, so thank you to both you and Dr. Rotter for for creating those. They're really a gift to the to the parents and and children.
1: Thank you. I'm glad you feel that's helpful, and that's our uh, uh, mission. It's our intention to help every single family for all ages. Give them a, a, a tool, make them to understand. Uh, there's a, um uh they can live a beautiful life, have a high quality of life, and yet manage their EOE.
0: Yes, absolutely. So uh, at least one more question. Um, but what's on my mind is we've talked a lot about about the disease and where it's been. And while we can't predict the future, there's a lot of great research happening. So what are you optimistic about?
1: Oh, uh, this is a um, great question. And uh, from the, our own experience from other people study around all over the world, um, I know this is uh, incredibly Active research area. We are greatly, we are hopeful, and then in the near future, it's going to be have a specific targeted treatment for this disease, and some certain treatment um, may not require any food changes. You can get uh, a pill or a shot; those uh, will treat for the disease, and the child can go about their life. So that's actually completely changed current thinking about this diet elimination. So obviously it is still a lot to be learned. Um, we still needed to go by the research um, uh, data to what is learned from them, from other experience. So uh, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm really, uh, in, through our center, which is for hundreds and hundreds of people. Uh, some is incredibly fortunate, I call them, because we identified food Quickly, we eliminate the food and then very limited food elimination lead to remission. Some can be more challenging. We have to change our um, way of treatment temporarily. Um, means if a diet didn't work, we treat the medicine and then medicine worked and we go back to the diet. And then they responded well versus a new line of treatment. So this is to offer enormous amount of hope. Um, to achieve disease remission, high quality of life, and um, um, avoid complications.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Well, there is a lot to be optimistic about. I think the the society is changing too and helping us have better conversations so that these kids can grow up in ways where they just they feel just as accepted and that they belong. And the research is there to help us understand new and different ways that we can treat it and, and hopefully give people really the quality of life that that we all hope for. Correct. So I said in the beginning how grateful we are to have you as our doctor, not just Tyler's doctor. And I mean that with with all the gratitude in the world, and I appreciate your time today too to help us all understand not only the medical implications but also the emotional and the the mental parts of this diagnosis as well.
1: Thank you, Suzanne. I I had one more point. Being a pediatrician, um, we're all we are geared towards high quality of life, treat for the disease, but also prevention. Mm. So we're uh, having a lot of emphasis on studying this. This particular disease, uh, uh, hopefully, identify the risk factor even prenatally or early childhood. Hopefully, we can uh, offer some um, new way to treat the disease in the preventative sense.
0: I think that sounds like a great way to to really solve this for for our children and their children. Great. So thank, thank you. you, Dr. Yuan.
1: Thank you. You're welcome.